Blessing has nothing to do with how much stuff you have or how much money you have. When I first got saved, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. I had nowhere to live. I had the clothes on my back, but I was the most blessed person because I had Jesus and because I had peace. So we want to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. And if you want to get there and maybe keep your finger or your thumb over in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, we're going to start there today. We're going to start about what it means to live a blessed life, what it means to be a blessed person today, okay? And let me just say, I'm just so glad to see everybody here. I'm glad to have... My oldest kids with me today, Jeremy and Brenda Ann, and their son Everett. It's just, you know, those are my kids, whether they like it or not. They're they're mine, and I love them, and it's just so good to have them, to have them part of my life, and just good to see uh, Ken and his wife Janet Merrifield here this morning, and he's been such a blessing to me. And uh, everybody needs somebody they can call and that they could bounce ideals off of, that they could talk to. And, Ken's been that that to me. He's been a mentor to me, and and I got so many friends here. You know, um, Ernie, Tammy bought the bassinet that my first child slept in when she came home from the hospital. Everett slept in that same bassinet. You know, that's relationship. And you and Charles, all these people that we've we've spent so much. I'm so glad social media wasn't around 20 years ago. Because I've done so many embarrassing things that is, you know, people know. I can just say, nah, you're lying. And they can't prove it. And there's a lot of those people in the room tonight. Like Kurt and Steph and, you know, riding home from Cedar Point and trying to keep Curtis awake. And just so many things that we, we and I've got so many of those wonderful relationships here today. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. So thankful for that. And if you have one, at least one person in your life like that, you're a very, very blessed person. Amen? You are such a blessed person. So let's let's read Matthew chapter 7. If you're there, say amen. Okay. The Bible says, Judge not that you be not judged. Now, we hear this scripture a lot, don't we? This is a really popular scripture for sinners, right? Judge not that you be not judged for Whatsoever, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So now, let me ask you something. What is the theme of that verse? What is the overriding thing? It's what? It's judgment, right? Judgment. Basically, that means to form an opinion about somebody. He's saying, don't form an opinion about somebody. And I tell you, people are so quick to want you to form an opinion about people. You may not even know somebody, and they come up, and and you might, you know, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? Here's what I tell you, know, people, well, you don't really know them, right? I always say, let me form my own opinion about people, right? Now let's look over in Luke. Luke chapter 6. This is a parallel scripture to Matthew chapter 7. Now, Matthew and Luke was a fisherman, so he's 
or Luke was a physician, so he's probably a little more detail-oriented. He is actually a great historian. Uh, if you read Acts and you read his writings, some of they, they, they say, as a historian goes, that he was a, actually an excellent historian and how that he recorded history and events. So he is actually speaking on this same subject. And what does he say? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now, he, he goes on to a little further here. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Now, let me ask you something. In, that, in those scriptures anywhere did he mention money? At one point, at any point at all in any of these scriptures that I read, did he ever mention money? But yet in the church, every time we hear the word give, what do we think? What? Money. We think money. But the con let me give you now, let me go. We always think about money when we think about giving. But let me tell you something. Giving is involved in every aspect of your life. If you are in a marriage or you're in a relationship, there is giving involved in that relationship. But giving starts with the heart. In the church, we are preaching giving to get, not giving to give. Give so you will get something. Give and God will bless you. Sow and you'll get something back. That's not what God is teaching us. He's saying give to give. Give expecting nothing in return. Because giving is about the heart. It's not about what you get back. It's not about the return on your investment. It's about the condition of your heart. You know, Jesus is more concerned about why you give, why you love, Grace goes even further than the law to say he's more concerned about your thought and the intentions of your heart. He goes even further than the law and says if you even hate in your heart, it's murder. If you lust in your heart, it's adultery. Jesus is concerned about our motivation. Now let's look at verse 27 through 36 and let's get the context of what he's saying here. For I say unto you which hear, Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again, or don't even ask them to, to return it. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? 
For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, even ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not. Here comes the context. And ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Given it shall be given unto you, good measure. Heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Nowhere in these scriptures does it mention money. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. Giving applies to every part of your life, relationships, marriage. It's not about money. It's about your heart. You see, the Bible says where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. It's about how we treat people. If God can get your treasure, he'll get your heart. You see, your heart follows your investments. You don't have to worry about what you're giving if your heart is in the kingdom. So what do you value today? Whatever you value is where your heart is. Now, this morning, some of you here today probably don't have any stock in the stock market. Maybe you do. But I promise you, if I gave you a 1,000 shares of Amazon Tomorrow morning, you would pick up the paper or you would go online and you would see how much that stock was worth. Why? Because you're invested in it now. Because that's where your treasure is. Your heart follows your investments. So what do you treasure this morning? Do you treasure people? Do you value relationships? Do you value mercy and grace and love and generosity? The church today is focused on behavior instead of on the heart. If you want to correct behavior, you have to first fix your heart. In the church, we tell people, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang around those that do. Don't do this, don't say that, don't dress this way, don't act that way. But have you ever stopped to think, why do I act this way? Why am I angry? Why am I upset? Why am I bitter? Why do I get so offended so easily? Well, because something's going on in your heart. But see, we focus on behavior. You see, something that happened in me a few years ago was to, was to think that if God's grace is sufficient for me, then it must be sufficient for you. Amen? So I begin to think not about what people are doing, but why are you doing it? Why am I doing it? Why am I angry? Why, why am I dealing with this? Why do I behave this way? And I realize that it's something in my heart. God wants your heart this morning. 
He's not worried about how many chapters you read or, or if you're counting fast days or chapters if your heart's not right. Amen? God doesn't care how much you give, how much money you put in the offering plate if you're only doing it as an investment hoping to get something in return. But there are three things that this scriptures that are dealing with. It's judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Whatever you give, you will get back, but in greater measure than you gave it. If you give judgment, that's what he's saying. Give and it shall be given to you. If you give judgment, judgment will be given to you. If you give unforgiveness, unforgiveness will be given to you. But not only that, what did he say? Good measure. Unforgiveness will be given to you in, in good measure, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall unforgiveness be given to you. See, that term was for poor people that gleaned the fields when they were harvesting a crop in Israel. They would take their basket and they would heap it up and they would shake it down and they would stuff more in it until it was running over. God is saying how you treat people is how you are going to be treated. But not only that, you're going to get back far more than you even gave. I mean, he's listening to me this morning. So how kind are you this morning? People say, I don't understand my kids or they yell at me. Well, are you yelling at your kids? No, I don't, you know, I don't understand. The people I work with don't respect me. Do you respect them? You see, whatever you give will be given unto you, good measure, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So this is what God was teaching me. So I find myself in this test that God forgot to tell me about. I literally, I'm serious. I had some guy I'd never seen before in my life in a U-Haul van run me off the road and try to kill me. I'm not joking. And I got mad. I mean, I got mad. I start having stuff like this happen to me. We're at Disney World minding our own business. And we walk up to get in a line and a guy I've never met before in my life gives me attitude. And so, you know, I'm from Wallens Creek. I bowled up on him a little bit. I'm like, are you, you talking to me? So I thought, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. But, you know, I'm in situations. I call customer service at Amazon, greatest company I ever dealt with. It was a nightmare. Everything I ordered got messed up. I got charged $60 for shipping. They would not give back to me, even though my part didn't get there when I got there. When I call customer service, it, it got to the point I said, Tracy, you call. God's testing me. Something goofy's going to happen if I get on the phone. But in the middle of all this, I begin to realize God saying, hey, listen, what are you giving? If you give unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and hatred, you're going to get it back. God's saying, listen, I've called you to help children and love children. You've got to be meek. You've got to be humble. You can't get in a fight in the goofy haunted house line in Disney World. Right? Right? 
You can't do that. It wouldn't look good, would it? So God's testing my heart like he's maybe testing a lot of you, right? You see, God puts you in a test and he wants to see, before he gives you the answers, he wants to see how you respond to it. He will actually provoke you. So I know I've got to pass the test. I know that I, I've got to give mercy even when people, he's saying do good to those who hate you and persecute you and give expecting nothing. Guys, we, that's what's wrong with us today. We can't react in that manner. We can't give unforgiveness and judgment and condemnation. Well, guess what? You're going to get it back in far more measure than you gave it. It's about the heart. God wants us to develop a heart of generosity. So let's flip over in Deuteronomy 15 for a minute. How do you develop a heart of generosity? Let me tell you something. A generous heart will change this world. Amen? When you give from the heart, when you give not just money, your time, your patience, your love, a hug. A young girl texts Tracy the other day and said, I could really use a hug today. You don't have to go to seminary to learn how to give hugs. You don't have to be a theologian. If you've got one arm, two's even better, or no arms. If you can get in close proximity with somebody. So she just happened to be coming that way and pulled off and gave the, gave the girl a hug. How hard is that? But we make it all about this. This ain't it. Are you hearing me? A kid that's hurting don't need this. They need a hug. Amen? They need somebody on the other end of the phone that says everything's going to be all right. We had a a, a girl call us the other day. She said, I just need you to tell me it's going to be okay. I said, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to be just fine. Amen? So we got to develop a generous heart. How do we do that? Let's look in Deuteronomy 15, 7, and 8. This is really spoiling me back here. I can just read until my eyes get bad, I guess. I can read that off the wall. So I'm not staring into nothing. I don't know. Zodi do this. He read off that. I don't want you all to think I'm just like staring at the wall or something. There's a screen back there. I guess you all knew that, didn't you? Okay. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need and that which he wanteth. The first thing we've got to do and develop a generous heart is we've got to deal with a selfish heart. Let's look at verse 9 for a minute. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying the seventh year, the year of Jubilee, the year of release, in God's economy on the seventh year, all debts were canceled. How many of y'all like to go back to that, that way? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? 
the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Selfishness, the Bible says, is wickedness in God's eyes, and it even becomes sin. He said, now listen, don't think six months from now, the year of Jubilee's coming, and all debts are going to be canceled and you're not going to get your money back. He said, don't do that. That's a selfish heart. Don't do that. He said, that's wickedness and it will even become sin to you. Right? We give and we're hoping for a return and we're hoping that we'll get something back out of it. But let me ask you something. Why did God create giving? In the first place, why did he do it? Think about it for a minute. A lot of people would say to fund the work of God. That's hilarious, isn't it? Isn't it hilarious? God needs my money. God needs our money to fund his work. Now, this is the guy that is paving streets with gold, but he needs my lower middle class income really lower, probably like really, really lower middle class income. Not only that, just 10% of it to fund his work. It's hysterical, isn't it? God doesn't need our money. So why did he create giving? He created it for you. Giving works selfishness and greed out of your life. When you have a generous heart, You're not selfish or greedy. Give to get actually works selfishness and greed into your life. When you give expecting something back and you don't get back what you wanted, you get greedy and selfish. Give to give, not give to get. Can y'all say that with me? Give to give, not give to get. The second thing that you have to do is found in verse 10. Notice what happened in verse 10 of Deuteronomy 15. Ready? Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thine hand to do. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to deal with a grieving heart. Selfishness attacks us before we give, and grief attacks us after we give. When we don't get the results that we wanted, we grieve about the fact that we gave. How many of y'all ever done this? You felt like you were supposed to give something because you thought God wanted to bless you and you gave something and you go home and something tears up and you don't have the money to fix it. Has that ever happened to you before? It has us about, what, 11, 12,000 times? Tracy? I was going out of the house, so I'm not kidding you, about a year ago. You ever have one of those seasons where everything goes wrong and it comes to the point it just gets comical? We were trying to give and be generous and do what we wanted to do. I shut the door and a, and a candle fell on the washing machine and it never worked again. A candle. <laughs> I'm serious. You can't make this stuff up. It was hilarious. I've been in that season now. Everything that... God's trying to get 
my heart right and saying, Joe, you got to give with a generous heart and you got to do it for the right reason and not only your money, you got to give love, you got to give humility, you got to give compassion, not judgment and condemnation. You got to give these things. Everything I've owned has tore up in the last six months. Everything, five times. I put, Ernie's put two rear ends in my truck. My linkage cable broke. I replaced every rotor on it. His employees replaced the calipers, tires, you name it. So I thought, I'll trade it off. And I just bought a new vehicle. And guess what I had to do? The first day I got it, I've already spent $400 on my vehicle. Crazy stuff. I was driving down the road the other day. I thought, it smells like burning plastic in my car. I got out, me and Seth's trying to go riding up Harlan. I'm opening the hood. I'm looking at stuff. I don't know what it is. I leave the heat off. I think it's something to do with the heat. The heat ain't working right. I finally take it to the shop, and they said, your exhaust fell off. It just fell off. Thank God, please. Please, God. And my, what little bit I had left was pointed straight up at the bottom of my vehicle, and it was melting Everything. So I'm thinking, God, please let me get this. I am going broke. I can't afford to miss this lesson, right? I can't afford to miss it because I don't have any more money. God knows how to get you. So what's God saying? Joe, deal with your heart, man. Deal with it. Deal with your generous heart. Work this stuff out of your heart. You can't fight people in the goofy haunted house line in Disney World. You got to love. You got to give compassion when people are giving hate. Amen? Deal with your grieving heart. Now, selfishness attack, but when we don't get the result we wanted, we grieve the fact that we gave. Now, here's the reason. The reason we grieve after we give is that we thought it was ours. But it's not. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. It's not your money. It's not your job. It's not your house. It's not your car. It all belongs to Him. Amen? Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let's look at the third thing we got to do here in verse 14. says, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. We've got to develop a generous heart. Give from what the Lord has blessed you with. We're born selfish. We're born again generous. What's one of the first things we have to teach our kids? Share. You got to share. You got to share. They don't want to share. Why? We're born selfish. They've got, they got a toy. They got a pile of toys. A little, little kid comes over to play with them. And they pick up the toy. I was playing with that. I was playing with that. So they sit it down. They go over and get a toy. No, I was playing with that. I was playing with that. That's mine too. Right? 
Well, I'll get this. No, I was playing with that too. And the next thing you know, they're like, all their stuff. It's mine. It's all mine. I'm playing with all of this. All of this stuff. I'm trying to touch. Right. I remember the first Christmas we did this. Our kids had so many toys like your kids. It's ridiculous. Stuff they ain't seen in five years, right? So here's what we started instituting on Christmas. Every year, all right. Before Christmas, you have to go through your room with a garbage bag and you have to give away all but 10 of your toys. No kid. I, I didn't have, I've not had 10 of anything in my entire life. I don't think I've owned 10 pair of pants. And my kids got toys, and, I, and my kids would do it. We first did it crying, going through the room crying, finding stuff. <laughs> I'm like, you haven't played with that since you were four. But I love it. Just put it in a bag. Put it in a bag. Right? Guess what now, though? They have a generous heart. They love to give. They want to give. They give extravagantly, my kids do. But we, we, we've got to, we, we are giving with the wrong motivation today. We've got to develop a, a generous heart. And we've got to work that selfishness out. And here's what the Lord is really saying to us. What God is saying to us is, when are you going to grow up and be like your father? When are you going to grow up and be generous like your father? No, no, no. This is my ministry. It's mine. It's mine. It's my stage. It's my mic. It's my piano. That's my seat. I sit there every Sunday. Don't you sit there. Don't, no, I sit there. It's funny because it's true. It's my, my church. That, that's my ministry. That's my song. You can't sing my song. Don't sing my song. That's my song. I like that song. I sing that song. Yeah, I've been doing this a while. Y'all been in church a while. You know, you know it's, it's true. Right? When does that stuff happen? When you start getting focused on you, on your church and your thing and what you're doing, we get inward focused and that's when churches start dying. If I come into church and I hear that kind of talk, you know what I know? You're dying. You're dying and you don't even know it. It's just a matter of time before what God started is dead because it's all about you and it's all about what you're doing and it's all about this. How about let's make it all about that? How about we do that? We got to develop a grateful heart. Verse 15, I'm almost done, I promise, about five more minutes. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today. He said, I'm commanding you to be generous. Remember, you were once a slave. Some of us have forgotten what it was like to be a slave. God commands us to be generous. Everything we have, it came from Him. Let's not forget where we were when he found us. Listen, I don't care what you had 
Until you had Jesus, you didn't have anything. I'll never forget, I had a couple of my friends, and one of them's dead now. And they were going to church with me. That time we were going together, and they, they rode to church with me. And it was about 11.30 at night, we were going home, and we stopped at this gas station. They had some chicken that had been there. looked like shoe leather. I'm not kidding you. It looked like, I mean, it had been there all day. And they're like, we're going to throw this out. Do you want it? And I said, no, I don't want it. And my friend said, he looked at me like, you know, because we used to run together. And they said, you've had it too good too long, man. And they ate the chicken. And I thought, maybe I have. Because that chicken looked like a shoe. You see what I'm saying? We forget. Do you forget what it was like to be a slave when you didn't know the Lord, when you were miserable, when you had nothing? The church spends so much time understanding Greek and Hebrew, and I think we just don't understand English. Plain English. Nowhere in this scripture does it talk about money. Does it talk about giving to get, giving to get something back, giving to, to get blessed, giving to give from a generous heart, expecting nothing in return. That's what God's dealing with me. It's not about the money. It's not about what you're giving. It's about your heart. God wants to work selfishness and greed and those things out of your life. And the way he does that is by giving from a generous heart. So I want to challenge you today. If you're going out to eat today, buy somebody's dinner that you don't know. Leave a ridiculous tip for somebody. Ridiculous. I mean, at least 50 bucks. Leave it. Bless somebody. When was the last time you, you stood at the grocery store and just prayed and said, show me who I'm supposed to buy groceries for today, Lord. Just show me. Show me who it is. And when I get ready to pay, just walk up and say, I got it, and swipe your card. Say, God bless you. Love you. Pray for you. Anything I can pray with you about. If we give, guys, like that, if we start giving, Jeremy, my spiritual son back here, gave his car away about a year ago. Just gave it away. He's, they've got that heart, that extravagant heart. My problem is I just wish I had more money. I've been praying for the lottery numbers again. Don't laugh. God gave them to me once, and I didn't play it long enough. That won $350 million. I played it one time and quit. Never played a lottery in my life. I drove to London because I was so embarrassed. 30 miles away, and I thought, I'm going to play the lottery. I feel like God wants me to. He gave me the numbers. I heard them when I lay down and go to sleep. I don't even know how. So I walked in, speedway, and I waited for everybody to leave. And so I walked up, and I said, uh, I've got to play the lottery. I said, I don't know how. And so then the, I'm trying to be real, you know, Y'all never heard preachers say play the lottery before, have you? Looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just trying to obey the Lord. I don't, y'all do whatever you want to do. I'm not telling you to go play the lottery. If you hear, you better hear from the Lord. But I'm trying to be real quiet and try not to draw attention. And the machine tears up. And she gets on the truck. Like, oh, I need uh, help up here at the lottery machine. I was like, oh my God. So, I'm so, 
I'm so I'm not pleased. Just give me my ticket. Let me go home. And and I left and I thought, thank God I never have to do that again. Two weeks later, those exact numbers won $350 million. I didn't know I was supposed to keep planning. It was a horrible experience. I sure didn't want to go through it again, right? So it's not about how much you you give. I want to give more. I want to give extravagantly, Ernie. That's why we created a business in Manchester. And, and, and I want to give even more, but everything that we, we make, we're trying to invest back into the kingdom. The only reason that this coffee shop even exists today is to fund ministry in the kingdom. That's it. So listen, if we have to get creative, maybe you want to give more than you feel like you can give. Get creative with it. But the main thing is, is that your heart is right and that we develop a generous... A blessed life starts with your heart. Amen? Let's stand. I'm done. I want to pray and then they can come back to the to the music in a second. But how many would really like to change really change the world, change your community, change your school, change your workplace. It starts with the heart, a generous heart, a generous spirit. Give, and it will be given to you. Listen, if you give forgiveness, forgiveness will be given to you in good measure, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, mercy, and running over. If you give mercy, mercy, how many needs forgiveness and mercy and grace. And if you give grace, grace will be given to you. Heaped up. Pressed down, shaken together and running over will grace and mercy. If you give love, love will be given to you and measured. You always get back more than you give. I don't know about you, man, but I, I, need, I need that in my life. Maybe the reason that everyone is confrontational in our life is because we're confrontational. Amen? Maybe if we gave more love and understanding and humility, we'd get more of that back, more understanding. Maybe if we weren't so quick to judge and form an opinion about somebody. Maybe if we looked at where somebody is or where they've fallen, we gave them grace instead of judgment or condemnation or unforgiveness, maybe when we fall, someone will give that back to us. Amen? So listen, if you want to change the world that you live in, your school, your work, your community, your neighbors, we've got to deal with our selfish heart. We've got to develop a generous heart, and we've got to give from the heart. It's not yours. Amen. It doesn't make economic sense. We just do it because it's right. Amen. So I pray, guys, I pray over you today. I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that a generous heart would just so fill us, God. Father, I pray that our love and our generosity would just change the world that we live in, God. 
could you just be honest with yourself in the Lord today and just say, Father, deal with my selfish heart. Give me a generous heart. God, here I am. Deal with my life. With me, it was simply praying another one of those prayers. I didn't really know if God was listening. I had so much just anger maybe inside of me. And I said, God, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I'm on edge all the time. I don't know why I'm so quick to to want to lash out. God, whatever it is, just deal with it. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. Can you be that honest this morning? Can you be that honest with the Lord? Say, Father, Whatever it is, can you just self-reflect for a minute? The Bible says examine ourselves. Do you ever really do that? Do you ever sit down and say, why am I like this? Why am I behaving this way? Why am I acting? Listen, when you begin to do that, you'll start doing that to other people. I wonder why they're behaving this way. I wonder why they're struggling so much with this. Why am I so unforgiving? Why am I so hard on myself? Why am I so angry? Why am I so quick-tempered? Father, just show me. Show me what it is. Help me deal with it. And God, develop a generous heart in us. Lord David said, God, renew in me. Enjoy my salvation. Just give it back to me, Father. Oh, in Jesus' name. Let's just take a minute and worship Him. Let's just listen to the Holy Spirit. Just let Him speak to us. You know, it's okay to be wrong. It's, you don't have to be right. Sometimes we got to take the blame, even when we feel like it's not our fault. Instead of lashing out, We just got to give love instead. Give mercy. Give understanding. Give grace. Give humility. Father, we worship you today. We thank you that when you were led as a sheep dumb before the slaughter, but you didn't even open your mouth and defend yourself. Even though you knew that there were people wanting to kill you and they lied on you, They spit on you. They beat you. You didn't rail against them, God. When they come to take you away, you didn't even put up a fight. You just went. And when they nailed you on the cross, you didn't call thousands and legions of angels. You said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. When they said that you had a demon of Beelzebub and you didn't revile against him, Father. You just loved. God so loved the world that he gave. What could we possibly give him in return? He gave us Jesus. What could we possibly give? Give him in return nothing. There's nothing. He didn't give to get. He gave 
so that we could have life and have it more abundantly so that we could be saved. He knew that he would never get to return on the investment. He knew that we would cost him his only son's life. But God so loved the world that he gave anyway. Father, give us that heart. Give us that same heart that you have, that you gave. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him just for a minute. If they want to come sing something, Ernie, do you need to come? I'm done. I love you guys. Thank you for putting up with me today. I'm just real. I'm just transparent. I'm not faking it. I honestly don't care what you think about me. This is who I am. This is this is me. I struggle. I deal with stuff just like you do. But you know what? I'm not hiding from it. I'm not in denial. I'm not blaming everybody else. It's me, oh God. Father, deal with my selfish heart. God, develop a generous heart in me like never before. I want to give more than I've ever given of my time, of my resources, of my home, of my love, of my forgiveness, grace. I want to give mercy like I've never given mercy before. Don't you? Don't you? Don't judge. Don't be so quick to form an opinion about someone. Have you ever thought about where they're coming from? Especially some of you in here that teach. You got a classroom of a bunch of kids like me, and they're acting out and, and they're rebelling. Have you ever wondered why? You ever thought about it? You ever wondered what they go home to when they get off the bus every evening? You ever wonder about what kind of conditions they live in? Or if they've seen their dad in the last few months or if their mom even woke up to fix, maybe the five-year-old had to get themselves ready for school and you're worried about that they can't sit still in class or, or they rebel or they can't seem to keep their hands to themselves or can't seem to act right. Man, let's try to be understanding. Can we do that? If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, Log on to ourfathershouseky.org.